0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics Podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I am a consultant radiologist and it's just me. Yep, that's right. Just me by myself doing this episode straight after a very busy on call. Actually, I don't really like to say it's busy because at the end of the day, I'm sitting in one place, unlike some of you guys who are literally running around. Talking about running around... um, Thrusha is doing a lot of running around. He is actually getting ready for doing the marathon. So if you do want to sponsor him, then yeah, feel free to find him, find a sponsor link. We'll just support him, give him a positive message. I genuinely don't know how anyone can do all that running around stuff. It just, I go to the gym, I do. And I've been recently going to the gym a lot more because let's face it, I'm getting older and I feel like I'm not gonna get fit now. I'll probably never get fit. So I've been trying to hit the gym and it's been really difficult. And but like hitting weights is not that bad because like you, you push hard and then you relax and then you push hard again, and then you relax. But with running, it's just constant pain, isn't it? I just don't know how people do it. I really don't. So I rate the through. 3 I rate anyone that's doing any sort of marathon, but I've given up that kind of long distance stuff. It's just not for me. So let's talk about Twitter and what has been going on Twitter. One particular tweet that I thought was relatable to me anyway, I do remember feeling like this. And um, Donna Wakefield said she became a consultant four years ago. And since then, I've been constantly checking my emails on my phone 365 days a year. First thing I do on waking up, last thing I do before I close my eyes, I literally can't take it for a second longer. I've deleted emails from my phone. Now, I don't know what everyone else is, but I'm terrible with my emails. And actually, I feel like it's by design, like I purposely decided not to reply to a few emails because I just think I can't be bothered with the amount of hassle it's going to be. And hopefully... It's going to be too much hassle for you to email me again about whatever the situation may be. But when I first qualified, I really was good. I used to reply straight away. My emails used to be down to zero, literally completely nothing there. And then as time's gone on, it's just, oh, I don't know, it's just exploded. I've got too many emails coming in. Now, I remember when I was a registrar, one of the consultants did say to me, you're quite difficult to get a hold of, Imran. I think you need to get your email on your phone. And she they actually took my phone. And it's like installing the NHS email onto my phone. And back then, it was a little bit more complex than it is now. And I was offended. I was genuinely offended. I couldn't believe that someone would take my phone and do something like that. And so as soon as I got out of that room, I deleted it. I did not want to be getting emails. And I think, actually, a lot of that, as a junior anyway, I used to just get worried about any email that came in. I always thought I must be in trouble, something's happened, and I guess... It was just the kind of thing that I was getting used to. Like Emails are never particularly nice most of the time. At least now they're respectful, even though they may be telling you about some backlog and you get the odd email about outstanding scan. You think, oh yeah, awesome, man. How good was my scan? And it turns out, no, they're telling you there's an outstanding scan, i.e. a scan that needs to be done as soon as possible. You almost feel like you want to block that kind of thing. Sorry, this going to be terrible segues the entire episode. Shivani was talking about why do some people on here, i.e. Twitter, feel slighted if they're blocked by someone? Why do, why do they imply the person blocking has a fragile ego? Everyone can block who they want, whether they have ten thousand, one hundred, 100 or 100,000 followers. Nobody enjoys receiving negative content. I think this is just a bit of taking things a bit too personal on the internet. I think people just take things a bit too personal on the internet. I have noticed that sometimes, like, when I do tweet something, I do lose a few followers, and it does cross my mind, like, oh, maybe I've done something wrong there, but then it's fine. Like, they're just followers. It doesn't really matter on the grand scheme of things. But I do think it's important to not let this stuff get to your head. I, I think social media can be a really weird place, and I've definitely had some very weird experiences. I've started having patients actually find me on Twitter and Instagram and messaging me about a scan, and you've just got to tell them, look, you need to go down the proper avenues or talk to your doctor about whatever the issue is. I can't help you. I write the report, and that's about it. That is about it, isn't it? I can't believe that this is actually a job. Thrush is the one who actually does a proper job, unlike myself. I can't explain. I don't know how this is even a thing. Anyway, yeah. Hmm. So yeah, betting, getting blocked can be a very beneficial thing for both sides, I think. And I remember. Not so long ago I was getting to be of a storm over a tweet and people were tweeting at me and I just realised like their agenda was very much against anyone of the doctor profession and they were using my tweet to be fuel for their fire and there was nothing I could do or say that was going to be able to stop them from doing that. And so it it was just easier just to just leave it, just block them move on and don't think about it. And then you've done them a favor, you're doing yourself a favor and you can just carry on with the rest of the day. And you use social media for what it's meant to be for, like what I think it's meant to be for anyway. Enjoyment, genuinely enjoying yourself and yeah, getting to learn about things and learn about people. And sometimes it's just better, just leave the conversation or the room. Speaking about leaving the conversation or the room, Emma Coombe, Dr. Underscore Emma Coombe, she tweeted about junior doctor annual leave entitlement Many rotor coordinators assume that CT or ST1s or 2s or 3s have less than 5 years NHS service and are only entitled to 27 days of annual leave per year. If you have more than 5 years service as a result of switching specialties, working less than full-time, working an NHS job before graduating as doctor, maternity, paternity leave, F3, F4, years in the NHS, then you are entitled to 32 days. The year's service need to be consecutive. If this applies to you, then let your rotor coordinator know. Use previous contracts, pay slips, total reward statement as evidence and get your leave booked. Genuinely, I don't know why leave is not a bigger deal. Leave should be taken, never lost. You're essentially getting paid to do nothing. Is that not the dream? This is what people talk about. Oh, passive income, passive income. You can't get more passive than getting paid to do nothing, you go on holiday or sit at home and watch TV. Now, what else do you really want from life? I don't want to work for money if I don't have to. And in that particular situation, you don't. You really don't. And it just it baffles me when people don't take their leave. That is like a serious thing. Just go on holiday, enjoy yourself, and know that you're getting paid for it. Now, speaking about going on holiday, another tweet came up, and uh, Thrusha put this one in, and I thought it was quite interesting. It's someone getting kicked off a plane. And it's quite difficult. I've seen a lot of these sort of videos of things that are happening on the plane and actually there was this really uncomfortable video of I think Mike Tyson hitting someone on the plane because they were annoying him. Not sure what the entire story was and not judging. Who knows what was really going on? Maybe they deserved it, I don't know. But this was a lady again pulled off the plane and they must have been disruptive. Everyone seems to be very happy booing them. And then as she gets off, she literally says, I hope you all crash and die. It's just, wow, there are some serious extremes uh, to come back and coming off a plane and saying that to people is just unbelievable isn't it I and mean, they it just I can't even imagine saying that anyway it's such a scary and horrible thing to even think about I I do stress when I'm on the plane in truth I really do most of the time I'm just a bit on edge and it's quite nice you get to watch movies and if I can fall asleep great but I find plane journeys quite stressful And I did notice, actually, on my recent trip to Bangladesh, which I've mentioned, when I got to Dubai, the connecting flight got... I missed the connecting flight. And this is a lesson to myself and maybe anyone out there, is that you should never leave, like, less than an hour in a connecting flight. And I literally had one hour connecting, and I missed it. And the same thing happened on the way back. I almost missed a connecting flight on the way back. But What was interesting was when I got off the plane... And we'd missed the connecting flight from London to Dubai. They were coming up to us, and giving us these tickets to go to the hotel, and yeah, I was like, "All right, fine, you just give me the thing, and I'll go, and I'll come back tomorrow." And some of the people, the Australians and the English people, they were literally losing it. And one, one of them was literally saying, "Why did you not stop the plane? You should have stopped the second plane from leaving. It's unacceptable that I have to be here." And I thought, "What? Oh, chill out, man. It's just..." I'm sure there's some logistics or something behind that whole thing that can explain as to why they can't just suddenly hold a plane off. The whole thing's a little bit more complicated than your tiny little existence and you not being able to get to wherever you're going to get to. Now, speaking of trying to get to places, there was a really nice tweet that popped up, really lovely. And it was about a mum and son who look like they're both paramedics and they they decided to do a shift together which is quite nice. It's really lovely, isn't it? It was quite a nice photo. Quite liked it. It's quite wholesome content. And unlike the usual kind of stuff that we do get on Twitter sometimes. Moving on to some of the less wholesome stuff, there's been some more anti-physician associate stuff coming out. I'll read this one out. I don't want to pile on on the person. Maybe you do listen to this. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Does anyone listen to this? Anyway. A certain specialty at my hospital doesn't let FY1s accept referrals, but has an AMP carry the SHO bleep who can. AMP kindly accepted referral and came to review the patient but then I had to request the scans and prescribe. You know what? I just sometimes feel as though you need to just do something else, all of you guys. just uh, go have another life outside of work and stop getting worked about what other people are doing at work and stop defining what doctors should and shouldn't do. Of all the things, accepting referrals, reviewing papers is it really that complicated? Is it really that interesting? Is it really something that you so dearly wish to do? If it is, why don't you go to the ANP a- a- and say, look, I want to do this part of the job. Maybe they'd like to just sit around and do nothing instead of giving you the opportunity to do something else. The, the stuff that people complain about when it comes to other healthcare professionals and what they feel to be boundaries, it's just completely balmy to me. I just think that, look... Do you have a job yes do you get paid to do your job yes does anything else matter no no nothing just go do your job go home go do something fun see your family see your friends and stuff like this which in truth is really not that interesting it's really not that interesting and people say oh but I don't think these the, the allied healthcare professionals the physician associates should be taking bloods Oh, come on, taking blood is not that interesting. It really isn't. It's probably one of the most mundane things. That Of all the things to do, why would you want to just take blood? It's just, you know what? I just try and find another identity beyond hating on each other or something. I don't know. Speaking of bad takes, there's an absolutely horrendous thing that happened. It's one of these dating apps. So dating is so easy for men. Just pick one of the hundreds of nice guys on the app. And so someone has messaged someone else and they're saying, hi, Lauren looking good in your pics. Would you be um, willing to put your children up for adoption? I want to date someone without kids. So looking for someone who's willing to free themselves of their current kids. Wow. They must really think that they're special for someone to literally consider giving up their kids for them. Who, who says that is, I, I couldn't, there's like a level of expectation that you have in terms of what you hear is going on. And I've, uh, spoken to a few people and they'll say they'll literally say this phrase and maybe hopefully i'm not using the wrong context but why are men and stuff like this and some of the stuff you hear about is just it's just beyond belief i don't know where these people are coming from how they think they can say or even think those kind of things it's just completely unbelievable you want you'd hope that's got to be some sort of joke there has to be some sort of joke right that can't have really happened, can it maybe you guys can tell me so talking about something that hopefully and you wish didn't happen. A long time listener, a Dr. Dolly Sud underscore PhD says, good to know that when you hear someone usually racially offensive language at the gym and you report it to the manager that their response is, we can't do anything. Isn't that, that sounds like a path of least resistance. And pro- I know I joke about taking the path of least resistance as the majority of my life choices have become or are, but I think there are points where you just got to be like, like you, you got to do something about that. You can't be. You just can't be letting that kind of stuff go. And uh, I think this is the constant battle, isn't it? Uh, Being a brown person, a black person, just being someone who's not quotation mark English. you You always have that kind of niggling feeling that you're a bit uncomfortable. And when someone says something like that in a place that you should be able to just go and do what you've got to do and leave, it does make you feel a bit uncomfortable, doesn't it? It really does. And it is worth calling out, especially when it's so blatant like that. And even when it's not so blatant, it is worth calling out. And I think someone else that was being called out um, is someone that's worth looking up. Adiba, I hope I said this right, Adiba J. Gidar. And basically they are a hijabi lady and they've written some books. And someone has literally said, no hate, but this feels like forced diversity. This person looked at this other person who's written a book and got it published and so seeing that they are brown, they're Muslim, and said, well, you know what, this is forced diversity. This is something that I actually noticed when my sister went on to the, that TV show, Sewing Bee, Great British Sewing Bee. And um, it wasn't long after Nadia had won the Great British Bake Off. And so people were tweeting and commenting on pictures saying, oh, it's just a cheap version of Nadia. That's all this is. Or it's the BBC's attempt at another Nadia. It's like, what are you talking about? First of all, it's not the BBC. Yeah? It's, it was done by a different... A production company makes these things and then sell it to BBC. It's not the BBC. That's not how it works. Anyway, pedantic aside, I felt really sad and a bit taken aback that all they saw was a brown person with hijab and immediately related to the last brown person who had hijab that was on a show that was remotely similar But they'll never have that sentiment had it been a white person. Are they going to suddenly say, oh, there's just going to be another version of this other white person who'd won this TV show from some other thing ages ago. It just shows you what people see and what they want to see and the things they pick up and that sort of unconscious bias. I think we spoke about that the day that pops up when this kind of thing happens. What do people want? Do they just want people like myself to not exist and not achieve anything? Because if we do achieve anything, it's just going to be hitting a quota there's going to be some sort of forced diversity project. It's just so stifling for anyone to actually try and achieve something and be proud of it. If that little back of your head, someone in the back of your head, it's going to be in the head back of your head anyway, and someone's going to go and say something like that. It's really upsetting, really upsetting. And uh, yeah, who knows, maybe people were... This is, what's, this is something that does go through my mind quite a lot in terms of... I've got children, yeah, they're both brown, unsurprisingly... Is it going to be ceiling of achievement for them just based on the fact that they're brown? Is that what it's going to be like? If they do achieve anything, is it always going to be because they're brown and they've got Muslim names? Is that the way it's always going to be for them? Is basically anything they achieve always going to be attributed to the color of their skin and where they're from rather than the fact that they may have achieved it on good merit on their own? It's quite sad, actually. That kind of brings us on to Simon Lamy. And he tweeted out, if you analyze Dr. Barwa Garber's case, four points of intersection coalesce to harm her. She's a woman, a black woman, a black Muslim woman, a black Muslim woman from overseas. The NHS wouldn't have survived this long if foreign workers hadn't populated its ranks. Now, this is interesting as well, because it reminded me of recently going into Central London. I think I went to Winter Wonderland with the kids. And uh, before we went there, we walked near Buckingham Palace and there was these nice monuments, actually. And one of them had written Bangladesh on it, India, Pakistan, and all these countries. And so I walked up to it just to read a little bit about what it was and what this monument was for. And this monument was erected for in honour of the Indians, Bangladeshis, Pakistanis, all the people from the Asian who um, fought, volunteered to fight in the war. And it really reminded me of something that Carla had talked about in that these people volunteered to fight for this country, but the way they're treated, like now, I was in, if I was to get some family member to come over and visit, it's quite difficult to get a visa. It really is. For other places who they've been, this country had been in war with, they just walk in and out like there's no issues. And so you think, yeah, you're building these monuments and you're commemorating all this stuff, but the way you're treating other countries people that you don't think are English enough it's just it's not very nice is it It doesn't seem this is not what these people fought for I think they were fighting for the bigger idea of a United Kingdom and all that kind of thing all that kind of stuff they went in for but I don't think that comes back and I think in the general rhetoric of society these days it just seems that yeah this kind of stuff is not appreciated like they just seem to not talk about it and almost forget it and almost. They go on about it as if they just did it on their own. No one came in to help at any point. But I remember when Dr. Gar- Bauer Garber's case came about, one of the consultants I was working with literally looked at the picture of her and said, yeah, she said, she just said to me, you just knew that it was going to end badly, was not it, just by looking at her. And again, it just shows you like the attitudes of people in terms of what they're picking up when they see someone. And they're not seeing... A doctor they're seeing all those things a black woman a muslim woman's wearing a headscarf someone who's not from around here getting into quotation mark trouble and then the immediate thing is guilt right the, the immediate thing is guilt straight away people are feeling as though this person must be guilty or there's something wrong with them they're not given any sort of benefit of the doubt and i think if we look back at that it was we all didn't we all looked and saw that there were so many factors that went into what had gone down. It wasn't just one person's fault. It just wasn't. But she took the brunt of it, ended up on the papers. It was just horrible. I don't know. I think I read recently she, um, she finished her training. And that is some serious well done, honestly, because I had some difficulty training, but not on that level. That's another level of difficulty. And I wouldn't wish what I had on anyone let alone what she had on anyone. So I really, really do, do rate her. If you didn't know who she was, it may be worth Googling her. And that moves us on to another tweet. These segues are getting great, aren't they? One etiquette rule that I don't think we should talk about and we don't think we talk about enough is that I think you should do at least one Google search before asking someone on the internet to answer your question. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess so. I think if it's a factual question, then fair enough. And I've got, in my house, I've got I think I've got too many now. I've got like a Google Home, I've got the Alexa and I've got my phone which does Siri. And so whenever we are having a discussion as a family and it was like a factual thing, no, I don't think so. I don't think Batman was ever going to be this person or something like that. We'd literally say, hey, I'm not going to say in case it um, triggers your own devices, but hey, beep, tell us the answer to this. But I guess it's one thing getting the facts, but it's also quite fun to get an opinion on whatever fact it is. And, Yeah, maybe. That's the fun of it, isn't it? Asking someone, even though it could be mildly factual, ask them what they know about it. And yeah, maybe even have a giggle if they get it completely wrong. Talking about getting things wrong, a very interesting tweet that I think that is quite good for us to all take into consideration is that someone called Leah AJK says, I'm so glad no one filmed my reaction when I could quotation mark here for the first time when I was five and posted on the internet because these people wouldn't care about the fact that the process of me getting my hearing aid was so traumatizing or that I struggled to understand anything for years after because I was forced to wear a hearing aid uh, that I couldn't hear anything coherent out of and every noise I heard was so painful. I couldn't understand or speak English as well as the rest of the children my age because I didn't have access to language. So please tell me How tear-jerking it is to see deaf babies or children getting overwhelmed by hearing a noise they'd understand for the first time and not being given access to language instead. Is hearing sounds more important than preventing language deprivation? Also, just want to add that hearing aids only amplify what you're hearing you already have and it doesn't make it clearer. For example, in my right ear, I can hear pretty much clearly with a hearing aid, but in my left ear, it sounds echoey and muffled. So that's why hearing aids aren't the fix. Most people think they are. I eventually stopped wearing my left hearing aid because I couldn't understand anything. And hearing noise from that ear was too painful for me. And that is interesting, isn't it? Like you do see these videos being thrown around and you're thinking to yourself like, yeah, this is really cool. Someone is finally able to hear and they're getting all emotional and stuff like that. But you kind of have that moment, but you don't know what happens next and you don't understand the connotations of what that might be and what that hearing aid is really actually doing and is actually beneficial for the person involved and it sounds yeah it's not always it's not always nice it's not always a nice a nice thing because it can actually seem to hinder people in some ways if you're not hearing proper language and actually the ability to communicate and given proper language to communicate is more important than just being able to hear sounds this is why i like twitter anyway and talking to people and learning learning this stuff is because these are perspectives that I would never have I don't I would never know that I would just I would have literally fallen for the next nice video of a young child listening to a sound for the first time and everyone crying and stuff like that I would have fallen for it but now having read that I think yeah all right fair enough I get that I get that that's an interesting that's an interesting take and something that I should take into consideration moving forward now moving forward and taking into consideration Dr. Ardil Patel, he's a GP, says sometimes I wonder if it's better for my own well-being just to give in to the difficult patients. Recently, I had a patient who started the consultation with I have two problems. I need a referral, I need an MRI scan, both unrelated issues. A quick scan told me that they had complex medical problems and it was impossible to deal with both problems properly in a 10-minute appointment. I offered to deal with one and book another appointment for the other at which point I was yelled and berated over the phone. Asked the patient to calm down, and the response was, I can't calm down, calm down, I have mental problems. Explain, not an excuse to shout and swear at me. This behaviour continued, and I ended the phone consultation. This experience was a day after I felt I had to leave the room for my physical safety for another patient. Both instances could have been avoided if I'd just given in to the demands rather than try to provide holistic care. I've been a fully qualified GP for less than three months, and incidents like this seem to ruin your whole day. What do other, more experienced GPs do? This is this is part of the reason why I quite like doing radiology, and I'm going to fly the flag for just a minute. Radiology is awesome. As I keep saying, I don't know why everyone doesn't do it because these interactions don't really happen. Usually, someone is waiting a really long time to get the scan in the first place, and so I'm very pleased when they see you. Your problem A hand is actually quite straightforward in terms of get the scan, look at the scan, report the scan. There's no other factors that are getting in your way because I can imagine, I can't imagine, I'm not a GP, but it it can't be easy, can it? If you've got like a medical problem, but then a whole load of other stuff to deal with in terms of you've got what sounds like a difficult person. They're talking at you in a rude way, but you're trying to get to the bottom of what the issue really is. I can't imagine that. And that's all got to get in the way of the bigger issue. Like you just want to deal with the medical issues, do the best you can with the rest of it. But it sounds like the rest of it is getting away of trying to deal with the medical issues, which is then compounding onto one another. It sounds difficult. And uh, every time I talk to GP, and for those of you that listen to that recent episode with my sister, it sounds like things aren't going very swimmingly. Things are getting worse and, or more difficult. And uh, yeah, she said that she'd probably be able to do an entire episode on just the state of GP at this very, very point in time. And I wouldn't, I'd actually believe that. I think she can run just as much as I can. I think this highlights how difficult it can be. And I think a lot of subspecialties don't understand how difficult it can be for GP. And I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I didn't do GP. At the time, it seemed like a really great idea. Three years and you're through and you're done. But the way it sounds like it is right now, I don't think I could have handled it very much longer or very much at all, let alone what I was doing where I running around the wards and that kind of thing, I found that very difficult to deal with. Anyway, flying the flag as usual. Do consider radiology. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's nice. It's pretty much nine to 5, And don't have to deal with any of that stuff. Right. They're talking about difficulties at work. I don't even know if I can go through this one. Okay. Astro Alexandra at Astro underscore Alexandra at women in STEM. What's the most sexist thing anyone has ever said to you at work? There are so many replies to this one. It's, I don't know if if it's even worth looking at. There are just so many replies and the, the most sexist thing I've had said to me have been from other women. Once had a doctor tell me, I shouldn't go into medicine if I want to get married and have kids. It's just not possible. I got married and had kids. And I'm now a doctor. It's a great opportunity by way of explaining why I wouldn't get compensated for the same work the man previously in the role was paid for. This goes on, isn't it? It's such a challenge. I just, yeah, it's such a challenge, isn't it? And it maybe worth going through if you are interested in raising your blood pressure via many upsetting tweets. Right. Not having Thrush around. So thrush, yeah apologizes. He kind of couldn't make it this week. And I apologize that it's just me this week. I think we've been through a fair few interesting ca- cases still in the mode of being on call. I hope that was all right. We are coming up with some hopefully exciting news very soon, maybe in the next week or so. Potentially a new sponsor. I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you guys. Very on brand, very on brand as usual. I mean, we do this because we enjoy it, but it's also nice to work with work with new brands and mean people and stuff like that so it'd be really great if you could support us with that when we do finally hopefully get the announcement through and anyway i hope everyone has a great week and i will hopefully see you and speak to you on the next one bye